Prepare your ears, humans. Happy, Sad, Confused begins now. Today on Happy, Sad, Confused, Lauren Lapkus on improvising her way through the Between Two Ferns movie. Hey guys, I'm Josh Horowitz. Welcome to another edition of Happy, Sad, Confused. I'm Josh, you're you, and the guest today is, of course, as I said, Lauren Lapkus, um, one of the funniest people around, one of the best improvisers uh, I know in the world right now. She is always funny in whatever she does, and she is particularly funny in her new film, The Between Two Ferns Movie, or I think officially it's Between Two Ferns the movie. Uh, it's currently on Netflix and it is hysterical. If you've ever watched Zach Galifianakis do his thing in those kind of shorter funnier die videos, this is that a little bit on steroids with just enough of a narrative. It's kind of a road trip movie. Um, but Warren plays his producer in it. Um, she's awesome in it. Uh, and it also features, as you might expect, uh, an amazing amount of uh, celebrity cameos from um, God, Paul Rudd, Keanu Reeves, Matthew McConaughey. I don't know. The list goes on and on. And um, those are all great. But also the stuff in between with Warren and Zach uh, riffing are uh, it's, it's all just comedy gold. So if you're a, a connoisseur of great comedy, seek it out. Between Two Ferns, the movie currently on Netflix. Uh, this was a blast. I didn't know Warren, but I felt like I did because I've seen her in so much and she was as funny uh, and smart and cool as I had hoped. So I think you guys are going to enjoy this chat. Uh, it's been a busy time for me. There's a lot going on. It's a busy, busy film season. I'm still kind of coming off of the high and exhaustion of the Toronto Film Festival, but also now getting into things like the New York Film Festival, which is starting up in just a few days, premiering uh, The Irishman, the three-and-a-half-hour Martin Scorsese film with um, De Niro and Pesci and Al Pacino. That's going to be epic. I can't wait for that. Um, so, yeah, just catching up on on all the, the fall films that are starting to emerge. Um, so, yeah, lots of exciting things. I was also, just to catch you up on my misadventures, uh, I just had a quick trip uh, to London, which was awesome. All too brief. I always love uh, going there, but got a chance to do a really fun shoot with uh, the cast of Zombieland Double Tap. Uh, Zombieland Double Tap, which is 10 years in the making since you know the, the first Zombieland film. They've finally gotten back together, and it is all the originals. I chatted with uh, Emma Stone, Woody Harrelson, Jesse Eisenberg, and Abigail Breslin. Um, they were all fantastic, and um, big fan of those four, and excited for you guys to see um, what was a very fun conversation there. Uh, we all gathered in, in England because Emma's in the middle of making uh, Cruella. She's starring as Cruella in a, kind of like the next big Disney live action film. So that was awesome. Uh, I also haven't, oh God, I haven't even talked to you guys since I did one of my favorite panels in recent memory. It's not, it's not out there yet for you guys to consume, but I, I hope... I think it will. I think there will be a YouTube version of this. Um, I went to, I was invited by Netflix and the Paley Center in Los Angeles to moderate a conversation uh, about Mindhunter, the show on Netflix, which I love. And if you have not seen it, check it out. Uh, this is, of course, the, uh, the brainchild of David Fincher. Uh, it's based on true events. It's sort of about the birth of criminal profiling, of the hunting of serial killers by the FBI. It's now in its second season, 
and uh, I got a chance to moderate the panel at the Paley Center, which had uh, Anna Torv and Holt uh, McCallany, uh, Jonathan Groff uh, joined us via Skype, and um, most excitingly for me was David Fincher himself was a part of that panel, and uh, man, David Fincher is one of my favorite human beings on the planet. I mean, I don't know if there's a better, more consistently uh, just genius filmmaker alive than David Fincher. So I've actually bizarrely had the privilege of talking to David. Um, I think this was my fourth conversation with him over the years, which is pretty remarkable because he hates doing interviews. He does very, very few of them. Um, and this is like, it was, it was, it was honestly a very rare opportunity. So I jumped at it and, um, the conversation was so fun and interesting and, and every moment I got to spend with uh, the legend that is David Fincher um, off the stage was fantastic too. So uh, I believe the Paley Center is going to put up kind of an excerpted version of that conversation on YouTube soon. I'll send it out as soon as uh, they alert me to it. But uh, look out for that one because, as I said, that was a, uh, a very, very special treat. Um, I think that's about it. There's there's a, there's a lot coming up, a lot of big movies to talk about soon. There's the Joker movie around the corner. I've got a new exciting series that I haven't told you guys about yet that is launching very, very soon. More to come on that. I'm I'm excited about it. Uh, but yeah, if you're, a, if you're a movies fan, like I am like a diehard film buff, you'll appreciate this new project that I've been working on the last few months. So uh, I'll probably be able to tell you about it next week. Anyway, uh, in the meantime, remember to review, rate, and subscribe to Happy, Say, Confused. Spread the good word. Um, and I hope you guys enjoy this conversation with the star of Between Two Ferns, the movie, uh, Ms. Lauren Lapkus. Um, it's a, a delight to be joined by Kristen Schaal. Um, no, no, no. I would have just gone with it for a full hour. I can answer anything sure you want you about can. her life. <laughs> um, Lauren Lapkus, I'm a big fan yeah. of yours. Thanks oh, for coming thank by you. today. Thanks for having me. Um, so yes, you were mistaken, apparently, in your travels on behalf of this uh, wonderful film for Kristen. Yes. Has that ever happened uh, before? Is that Not in like a legit setting like that. <laughs> What was yeah, it was pretty weird. It was a, it was a Canadian live talk show. So it was just one of those things where they didn't say, call me her name, but the guy was like, and I saw you on Anthony Jeselnik's show the other day. And I was going, mm, I know that's her because I saw the commercial and she was in it. And it's obviously not me because I know I didn't do that. But I know <laughs> Anthony, like I've met him once. So, and I've seen his stand up, so I could talk. I just responded to the question. I was like, if I call this man out, I think he's going to like have a panic attack. He was very like, um, you know, going by his checklist. And yeah, so I was if you afraid. Had deviated, he yeah, would have like melted down. It might have turned into like a meme, which could have been cool. I don't know. But yeah, everybody aspires to become a meme, right? Yeah, my friend sent me a really funny KTLA video of. Um, Samuel L. Jackson being mistaken for Lawrence Fishburne, and then he goes off for like 10 minutes. I live for that stuff. Yeah, it's great. I, I mean, I, I was like, I guess I could have been one of those, but I wasn't able to think, you know, in the moment of which way I wanted it to go. So, did you watch the uh, Terrence Howard uh, interview yet? Oh, yes. I just saw that last night. It yeah. was really fascinating. Yeah, we should really all I'm learn. I'm going to be him. following yeah. along. Yeah. Maybe he's got some answers. Uh, I think he's got the answers <laughs> to the universe. These are dire times, Lauren. I just, don't you just love watching the interviewers just keep going as if that, that was my and then the they're pivot, like, the and, and then you also said you had a star yeah, exactly. on the okay, I'm like okay so you didn't hear anything about every there's no gravity and that's no. a construct but he is getting a star on the walk of fame wait did you say you're getting a star yeah, it's right after you said that you can travel to saturn yes. in a minute yeah and i one thing i picked out of that was you're getting a star yeah 
It's fascinating. Um, I want you to know, I, I, I tried to get some dirt on you from our mutual friend, Ben Schwartz. And oh, he yeah. Just, he wouldn't. It He's was, a vault. <sighs> it yeah, didn't I sound like a vault. It sounded like there was nothing, which was upsetting. Nothing. I don't think he would have any dirt on me. Um, I have a ton on him, which oh, I can please. tell you yeah, all yeah, for yeah. the next hour. <laughs> <laughs> Let's um, but I love that uh, earliest show that you oh, guys did thanks. together. Yeah, that was so fun. I mean, we, it was a funnier die web series that he, he was directing and we managed to make it into something that we thought was really funny and that it was also like an ad for Captain Crunch. So, I mean, there was, it's like, <laughs> so you don't, you don't really know that we got nominated for Emmys for it. So it was kind of like, you don't typically go into doing like a branded content and think that it's going to turn it into something no, legit. Yeah. But That's what Schindler's List was. I think at first it was branded content. <laughs> it was like and a then, Fruit Loops commercial. Yeah. <laughs> 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 um, but it does occur to me you have done I mean, you're of course here primarily to spread the good word on Between Two Ferns, yeah. two ferns the movie yes um, but you have done a fair amount that's kind of like satirized talk shows yeah. in your career between yeah. Comedy Bang Bang of course and and uh, the earliest show and, and now this um, did you grow up like a talk show person? Oh yeah or? I mean I've I watched so much TV as a kid that I definitely watched all talk shows anything from like um, Regis and Kathy Lee to then like I still call it that by the way and yeah yeah I mean I <laughs> was referring to it in the past right. but I do still watch now Kelly and Ryan, Ryan. yeah they updated that like five times in the last few years Wait, but can I ask you one question on that before we move ahead yeah have you been on Kelly and Ryan no yet? okay if you go on it I've always when I watch it now and I don't watch it every day but I, I'll yeah. watch it for something I'm interested in I'm most fascinated by the walkout now with the high fives yeah. and everything. What would your technique be? Would you stop <sighs> for high fives? Would you just go like a drone, like like a single-minded purpose and go past them? It stresses me out to think about having to like perform something as I'm walking out. Like I just feel like I would fall down. Like I'm like not yeah. on purpose, but it's just my fear that it would be like too many things to keep track of while also like looking nice and being normal. Right. And getting up um, in that weird high chairs yeah, they always have. Yeah, they're There's super high. Yeah. 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 But I, I always love the view and I feel like that's my like favorite. I still spot. watch the view and I think I could be a host on like one of the ladies on the view, but I don't know that I really want to talk about all of the like news stuff all the time. Right. <laughs> right. Which slot? Cause they all have kind of like, they fit certain yes. roles. Well, like joy slash like, yeah. Uh, Michelle Collins was on it briefly yep. and she was like amazing, yes. but she's so funny that it almost doesn't work because she was it's on like, a different plane of existence. She's that, just so funny. Yeah. Like, I mean, they're, they're keeping it going with all these like hot topics and it's, it's a lot to balance. So, okay. So growing up, what about late night shows? Did you have a favorite yeah, late night show? Conan. Yeah. And that was the coolest. Cause I had a TV in my room that had like, you know, the basic stations or whatever. And I would just turn it on super late at night once I was in bed and set my sleep timer and just fall asleep to Conan. It was like the best. And uh, you obviously know Conan by now. You've done yeah. a lot with Conan. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's crazy. I mean, so the first time I was on the show, I was like just so thrilled because it felt like surreal. Just yep. Anytime that happens in this type of career, like where you get to actually sure. do the thing that you watched forever, yeah. like, oh, that's, it's a real thing that was happening and people are just like me and they got to go on the show. It's cool. Except he's a larger than life weird, like a comic Yeah, character. yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's, I mean, we did a sketch together for his um, Comic-Con, like he was doing like a whole Comic-Con thing yeah. and it would, that was so fun. The to Wonder get to just, thing? Yeah. 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 So it was my group Wild Horses and, and also with Ego Bodum, who's on SNL now and we got to like go on some beach in like Malibu or whatever and do like a Wonder Woman sketch with him, which was great. He was so funny. And that was like, a, that was a great day because he was super chill and like hung out with us all day. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
yeah, I love to see how he's kind of like reinvented. Like now he's like he's yeah. like focused in on all the stuff he likes to do. The remotes, the long-form yeah, interviews podcast. for the podcast. I know. This podcast is so good. It is so good. And I listen to it every week. It's just been so interesting with like all of these big celebrities like doing podcasts now where we're like, yeah, we know. Like, yeah, this is a medium where you can like have a lot of fun and right. make money and it's cool and people listen to it. And <laughs> and then they're like, we like, you know, Conan invented podcasting or whatever. And we're all, the whole like Twitter was a blaze. I just thought it was amazing. How long have you been doing podcasting? Because you've got like 16 yeah. different podcasts. Yeah, I know. I've been doing it for like, my, having my, I've had my own since 2014, but I've been like guesting since a few years before that. But like, I mean, that was still when it was weird and people didn't know what it was. And you're like, I didn't know what it was. Right. First time I was a guest on Comedy Bang Bang, I had never heard the show. I, I had no idea what I was doing. I just like went in and did it, but like didn't know where it went out to or who was listening. Right. And yeah, I still don't listen to the show and people think that's crazy, but I'm like, I get it. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I was there. Is, is improv in podcast form and audio only form a whole different enchilada or is it the same kind of thing? I mean, obviously- it is. It's like something to learn. Like it's a whole skill to adapt to. I think, I think like people find it like improvisers find it really fun to do because you can live in something for a long period of time. I mean, yeah. like getting to do a character for a, a full hour and like have it go anywhere because you don't have any of the physical right. like reality to deal with is really fun. Like a lot of my characters end up being like a, the size of a dollar bill or something just because it's <laughs> way more use it. I mean, yeah. if you can, I can do that. So like you can visualize that and <laughs> now that's how big I am. <laughs> that's um, okay. So, so going back a little bit, so you grew up in, in Chicago. Yeah, I grew up in Evanston, right outside of Chicago. Okay. Um, right by Northwestern University. So it's a great uh, town. So obviously a big theater and comedy town. Yeah, Is yeah. Is that something that just like you were brought to a lot as as a kid or what? Yeah, I felt really aware of it. My parents like um, lived near Second City before I was born and they used to go all the time, like the John Belushi days and stuff like that. So yeah. that there was always that like the lore of it that I was aware of. Um, but most of my like love of it really came from watching TV yeah. and just like absorbing like SNL and all, anything I could get my hands on. So, yeah. So SNL was a, as I understand the big, focus, yeah, right? yeah. It's like hard for it not to be. I think when you're like, especially like in elementary school in the nineties, like that was like the heyday. I mean, and it's also one of those things too, where I kind of argue with myself about whether that was the heyday or whether I was nine and like, right. you know, right. like, no, totally. it's so hard <laughs> to say, but I mean, I really loved all of, like Chris Farley. I mean, I think that stands the test of time and Adam Sandler and David Spade and all those guys were my favorites. And I just like wanted to be like them. I think it's kind of interesting because I, as I got older, my, I found more female comedians that I was like more obsessed with. But sure. as a kid, I think there's something, and I have an older brother. I think I was really like, I want to be in the boys club and like and be like them. Yes. So it was more natural to get obsessed with those guys. What was uh, your idea of a great comedy film when you were a kid? Like, what, oh what, my what, God. What's the Mount Rushmore of Warren Lapkus <sighs> comedy films? God, there are a lot. I mean, I guess... Billy Madison was a big one. Mm -hmm. I mean, that was huge. But also, like, I really loved sort of wistful movies like Now and Then mm -hmm. or like The Babysitter's Club. <laughs> Those were like... <laughs> like, there were... The, of course, I loved the big, broad comedies, but right. there were a lot of, like, just girls 
hanging out together that right. like I really I've never heard on this podcast now and then cited as a classic comedy oh my you, god you... it's like it's not even a comedy it's like it has funny moments oh, of course yeah. I could list them for you but um, <laughs> it's a great movie and right. it's like an age movie I, Big is my favorite movie of Big all time movie, yeah. and I love body switch movies and I love like uh, unexpected aging like 17 again 13 right. going on 30 yes. like I love all of those movies it's funny they don't do more of those because I know like 17 again is like 10 years ago already and they just did little that. and that That's was really true. cute I I, I really liked that too. I love anything. I, I think it's really fun to watch actors play weird ages. Like and yeah. Freaky Friday was just on TV the other day, and I was like, oh, Jamie Lee Curtis this is like a fun role. She gets yeah. to be like a teenager and just like make fun of herself. So it's cool. No, totally. Even going back to like All of Me with Steve Martin. Oh, Tom I've never seen that. that. Oh, you would love. That. Oh, okay, good. Paul Reiner directed it. You would be into it. Okay, I'm right in the zone right now where I'm making a list of all the like big classics I've never seen, and okay. that's gonna go on there because there are so many things that I have. Right. Just missed fully. And I mean, I this is kind of embarrassing, but the Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is my first Quentin Tarantino movie that I've ever seen. I don't know how. You're I watched, a 90s kid. He I was know, the 90s director. I missed it. I listened to the um, soundtrack, the or, soundtrack yeah. of Pulp Fiction. Sure. Like, I know all the There's like sound bites. There, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can piece together a plot from that. Um, hamburger or whatever. Yeah, yeah. I understand <laughs> they go to a lot of drive throughs in there yeah. in France. <laughs> Yeah, but I've never seen any of them, so those are all on my list. And I loved it, which was so funny. I was like, I love. You should check out no, this director. It really was. I was like, I love this movie, and I had eaten a gummy, so there was a, also that level sure. of like, this is the perfect experience. Um, but it was so good, and I was like, I told my family, I was like, I loved it. My dad's like, you should watch every other. Like, what's wrong with you? But think of all the joy you have left in your life. I know to that's experience. exciting. I mean, I do think it's kind of. I, I I sometimes will shame people for not seeing things, but I also think like wow it's great you just get to watch a great thing that is right. solid and I have to tell you at the when I went to see Once Upon a Time in Hollywood I was with my friend and we were seated in the back row of the theater and this old man came in and he was obviously very disoriented because it was too late he he missed the lights were off it was like he's trying to find somebody I don't know and he's standing there staring like at us but he can't tell that he's staring at us <laughs> And so we we're going to like say something, but it was like, he's going to figure it out. I'll give it a second. And then he started walking down our aisle, but he didn't know we were there. He pushed my friend's entire body and then put his hand on my face <laughs> and his hand was on my face. And they went, excuse me. And then he looked up like it was coming from the projector like area that someone was saying, excuse me, and not the nose that he had his right, hand on. Right. And then I turned my phone light on and helped him. And he immediately walked to a seat. He was perfectly fine. I was like, this is bullshit. Like, you just, like, <laughs> held my face, and now that there's a little bit of light, you're like, oh, here I am. Like, okay. And now you're dating. This is great. And that's this is my favorite. Yes, this is my boyfriend. So it's very romantic, and it was a great meet cute. One of my, <laughs> one of my earlier, uh, early brushes with fame, what I got some attention, was when I went, to, I went to a press screening, like, 15 years ago or 20 years ago, of, like, Miami Vice. Yeah. Uh, and do you know the film critic Rex Reed? Do you remember No, I don't okay. know. So Rex Reed is a relatively well-known film critic here in New York. He's been around for, like, 50 years. Okay. And he... He tried to, he's like older, he's like 70. Yeah. He tried to step over a seat behind oh, no. me and he got caught in between the seats. Oh my God. And like, like it was like he was dying. Like he needed like the jaws of life. And I, I recounted the story. Like I'm such an asshole. Like in great detail on my blog at the yeah. time. This was that long ago. And it like got like, it went everywhere. Oh my God. <laughs> he must've been really Rex. used to like hopping over the seats his whole life as a movie critic. No and then longer. one year it just like, he, this yeah, was the moment yeah. where he realized he like, can't I can't do, do this. 
Uh, what were we talking? Oh, so what actor would you want to body switch in uh, within a film? Ooh, I mean, I think I would love to do that with a child because I think that right. that's one of the most fun things. So maybe like Jacob Tremblay or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like literally the default child actor. Yeah, at yeah, this he's just fantastic. Jacob Tremblay's like twenty now. He, by he the could way. play a thirty-four-year-old woman really well. I just—he's amazing. He's a good actor. Um, I actually just had him. He, I do sketches for Comedy Central too, uh-huh. and I had him do a sketch where the bit was that Daniel Day-Lewis is playing Jacob Tremblay. So oh he played it. He played that's good. He did a pretty good Daniel Day-Lewis. Yeah, I'm sure he did. <laughs> when he was on Billy on the Street, and he was like so sweet, and some girl like he talked to some little kid, and they were like, "He's famous." He's like, "It's not really different. I go to school, or you know, whatever." He's just so normal. He's so normal. Yeah, he's just like us. He's just like <laughs> <laughs> you were a child actor, right? Yeah, not on any real level. I did like children's theater plays in my town, and it was like. I only be, I mean, truly, I got cast as roles that did not exist in the script. They were like, okay, there's actually, she's not good enough to be Beauty and Beauty and the Beast right. or like even the candle or like whatever. Like, I'm like <laughs> they made me the mother wolf in, in that play, which is not a character. Uh-huh. And they would kind of cut to me and my family every so often. Oh, and we were always lost in, in the woods. Yeah. yeah like we kind of improvised. Yeah. And so it was my first time really like improvising something and getting a laugh and thinking that was cool but uh that obviously served you well later yeah yeah so when did you discover improv and was it love at first improv yeah i mean i was in high school i again like could not get into any school play so it was like the bane of my existence i auditioned for everything and my school like in evanston like it's a really great town for that kind of stuff and everyone at my school was really talented like truly like there were amazing actors there and people who have gone on to do amazing things like jesse mueller's on broadway i mean there's like people that are legit from my school but I couldn't get into any show, even in the chorus. It was like devastating. And I had a teacher who who cast me in like one comedic show. And then he told me I should do improv classes at Improv Olympic. And that was like huge for me because I really admired him. And so he told right. me about it. And I was like, I'm going to go do that. And I signed up and I was taking classes on Saturdays for my senior year of high school with like 25 year olds who I thought were like really old and I couldn't believe they smoked weed still. You know, I was like, you're 25. Like what? Why are you smoking weed? You need Cut to get a to. life. Yeah. I'm 34. <laughs> and I think that's fine. Um, but yeah, it was, it was really scary at first though. I think it, sure. I wouldn't say it was like love at first sight or whatever. I think I was like but really you got the buzz off of it too. Right. Totally. Like, but it was, really intimidating and I was always afraid that I was like really boring to them because I had to like miss one I missed one class because I went to prom and then I brought my prom photos in to show them and it was like everyone was so nice but I would like read in between like the break I would just like sit and read because I was afraid to like have to talk to them about my life because there was nothing in it I'm like I'm (laughs) in high school I don't do anything so at that point even senior high school were you like how serious were you about it? Were you like, this is going to be what I really go after? Yeah, it was always my dream to be like a comedian. So I, from like fourth grade, I think that's when I started realizing that's what I wanted to do, but I didn't really know the path to it at all. And that was the first time I had a clear line. I had read like every book about SNL and second city and all that stuff, but I didn't really know about IO and that ended up being like the best place for me. But so, and so did you ever end up auditioning for SNL? I did. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, they flew me out twice uh, a few years ago. It was probably like, it might even be like five years ago, six years ago now. But yeah. I mean, it was a, that was truly a dream come true just to be on the stage and do the whole thing. I was so panicked about it. I like rehearsed my thing all day in my, my hotel room and like was like, if I sit around and don't work on this all day, then, and then I mess it up, yeah, yeah, yeah. like okay. I will hate myself. Right. But then it becomes like 
something you're not even thinking. I don't know. Like I think it was, it went fine, but it wasn't remarkable. And I was, right. you know, out of my body <laughs> and Kate McKinnon got it that year. So I was also like, well, it's they tough competition. Really one, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so was it tough to kind of, you know, obviously things have worked out. You're yeah. like working on a thousand different things. Yeah. Was, but was there a period where you were like, Oh shit. Like that was the whole, that was my purpose in life. And yes. now I need to recalibrate. I think it's really hard to like lose that to give up on a dream or something, but yeah. it was weird because I had already been a series regular on a sitcom at that point. And so I was also a little conflicted about auditioning. Cause I thought, well, I'm on the path that I want to get on after doing this, right. but I also, it would be a dream obviously to be on this show. And it can be, it's obviously a huge platform for so many of the people on it that it, they become amazing stars from it. You there's also the version where you are on for one season and everyone forgets that you ever did it. Right. So it's like that weird crapshoot too. I feel like I, I was sad that it didn't work out, but it, I also felt okay because I already had established myself in the business in that sense where I was booking roles and like feeling like, Oh, this is possible. Right. But as a kid, like SNL was definitely the thing. It's hard. You don't have the, at least coming from where I was coming from with no connection to the industry. There's no understanding that like the people who are on sitcoms also were people who auditioned for SNL or do improv and all these things. I didn't know that correlation existed. So I had to learn that, but it makes it easier once you figure it out. So, you mentioned auditioning. How are you with auditioning? Do you enjoy that? Some, I've talked oh. to actors that some were like into it. Some people like, really like it. Yeah, like, oh, this lets me work because otherwise I'm not working. I get to flex I my chops. It sounds I like you're not necessarily that like, is true. <laughs> you're like, no, I think it, they're, I think they're fine, but I, I have, a, I feel like I used to beat myself up a lot about them and I would like leave and like replay everything that I did and said, and I'm getting better at not doing that as much, but it's a, it's an exhausting thing to do to have to go audition because 90% of the time you don't, you know, 99% of the time you don't get the thing. So like, it's like you're putting in a lot of effort for something that, you know, maybe they don't even send to the next level of casting people or like producers or whatever. So yeah, it can be really draining and bad feeling, but also it can be fine. I mean, like, you know, I've, I've definitely have the casting directors that I really like and I always have a good time with them. Sure. And that's awesome. I think it's very cool that there are people who make it really fun. Like Alison Jones is somebody who she casts like every cool thing ever. And she, she like laughs and like responds and like, <laughs> Oh, she acts like a human being. Yeah. In yeah. Room. Oh, it's like weird. great. Like you just feel like, Oh, she's enjoying my performance. And like, it makes you want to do a better job and, and you want to please her. So that's nice. What on the flip side, what's the definition of the worst kind of audition? Is there one that jumps out? Yeah. I mean, I definitely have had auditions that are horrible where more because I'm putting so much pressure on myself that when I mess up, I like beat myself up and it's like, even in the room, I remember I had one audition where I had to say, he's like a 40 year old freshman but I kept saying in my head 40 year old virgin because that made more sense (laughs) and then I was like just don't say that in the room and then I went in and said he's like a 40 year old virgin and I went fuck (laughs) I blew it didn't I like in the audition I said fuck and I was like why did I just say that like it was like out it was out of my control I was like I just, sorry, I knew I was going to say that and I didn't want to say that. And so I don't know why I said that. And then, oh, you know, no, it, it was just, yeah. <laughs> so then that was one that I've never forgotten, but they've, they haven't been that bad. Uh, otherwise I think, but yeah, that was a bad one. But I think what can make it hard is when the casting person is like barely looking at you, reads like a robot, right. doesn't try. Next. I mean, it's all the kind of cliche stuff, but those are real things. What's the, what's the gig that meant the most to you? Like landing something that really like mm. fell at the moment, like. Wow. Um, there have been a bunch, but I think, um, crashing was a big one because I always wanted to work with Judd Apatow. So that was really cool. I was really, really excited to get that one. Was, uh, 
Judd, is Judd like on set for that one? I mean, yeah, he directed a handful of the episodes and was around and stuff. Not all the time, but the first season definitely. And he did the first episode and a handful of others in that season. He's pretty great. What you see is what you get with Judd. Exactly what you imagine him to be. He's so nice. And he loves to like share stories from his past. And I love that kind of stuff and hearing about all of those cool old people that you, you know, watched on screen and he can tell you a million stories about everyone. And it's it's like exactly the stories you were telling. And a lot of people in the business, uh, like you, like that, like he was steeped in it from like, he was interviewing the comedians he worshiped at 14. Like, he's just like, it's just, he was engineered to do this. Yeah. And he's like a fan at heart. And I think that's really cool. Like he, all the stuff he just done with Gary Shandling and his diaries. And it's really, it's really cool and commendable too. Cause I feel like people, there's not that much respect for, others in the industry within the industry in that way where people are going like let's talk about Gary Shanley I'm also a director but yeah. I want to talk like, about yeah, Judd could like the, make a career of like, just kind of celebrating himself yeah, but he's like yes. spent the last two years like writing books and doing documentaries about oh wait another person yeah yeah it's like really <laughs> great he's really selfless in that way um okay so for the next 45 minutes let's uh, discuss Holmes and Watson yeah. let's, let's, go, let's go deep <laughs> Is there enough to say? It's now available on VOD, I believe. Uh huh. Um, what was that experience? Well, like? for me, it was great because I was in London for like three and a half months, living in like a cool apartment in Chelsea, and like I, I really like cannot complain about the experience. Um, also, like getting to do a movie with Will Ferrell and John C. Riley, like it's a fun time. Yeah. Uh, and I think like at the time, my biggest complaint would be like the costumes were very <laughs> uncomfortable. I'm like wearing corsets and like, it's all done exactly to the period. So well, that was the weird thing about the movie is like, it's almost shot and like it, the set dressing, everything. It's like, it's like a drama. Yeah. Like it's like, yeah, <laughs> it's like I you might as well have shot <laughs> like you an actual, you could have shot something like, yes, like some stunning drama in all of the locations. I mean, right. we, we got to shoot at the tower of London and stuff. It's, it's like, crazy. actually I brought my parents that day, which was really neat. Cause I, I mean, that was the thing. It's like, so much of it for me was the experience of doing it, which yeah. was a blast. Um, you know, it sucks when th- people don't like things or they don't turn out how you want them to. <laughs> well, let's talk about a happier thing between yeah. two ferns, yeah. which is hysterical. Yeah, thank you. And I'm really thrilled with it. I feel like it, it's funny. I like I like watching it. And so that's good. Yeah. And it's it seems a good like sign. everybody else is, too. I mean, yeah. you know, it, it's... I, I mean, it, it is tough to kind of like cre- create a narrative around something that it worked in a short form. Um, you obviously know Scott, Scott Aukerman, yeah. between, behind Comedy Bang Bang and the director of this. Uh, Zach, though, you hadn't worked with us? Uh, no? uh, we had worked together just barely. We had done a live Comedy Bang Bang show once, okay. and so I knew him from that. And then we also had, I had a small role in a movie he did years ago that I probably shouldn't mention. <laughs> <laughs> Now I feel like you have to. Okay. <laughs> but on. I got to meet him and I remembered thinking like, oh my God, he was so nice. And like, we had like a, a brief moment on screen together and he was great. And one of the nicest people I had met at that time, it was like one of my first, like, you know, getting small roles in movies and having like cool little experiences where you get to meet stars. Yeah. And like, it was neat. Um, but he, yeah, he ended up being amazing to work with in this because we got to improvise like most of the movie and so, yeah, I know, I'm sure we've talked about this to death, but it is, it's, it's, it's a unique kind of a film, obviously, because yeah. there's no script. Yeah. As I understand it. So yeah, what, I mean, what, what is there to the script? Like, I mean, I think Scott described it as being like the scribblings of a madman or something like he was, like, they, they, <laughs> it's a notebook in seven that Kevin Spacey kept. Yeah. It life. really looked like, <laughs> like the pages were very sparse. Like there was not much there. And so it was kind of exciting for me because that's like my whole yeah. background. I think 
uh, he Scott expressed like the crew was a little more nervous because coming into something where you can't really prepare like even just from like lighting you know things like that where Which it's way like do I put the camera yeah Scott? We, who's who's the focus <laughs> of this scene we don't know yet like it's hard to say so I mean we got like in terms of like the plot we would plan things out and try to like get certain plot points out and there were some scripted lines just to make sure we had exact you know yes. information. But other than that, we really got to like, he'd be like, okay, we're in this bakery for the day. So let's use all these different locations in the bakery and have conversations like run different parts of the road trip. And, um, we got to just improvise for hours that you'll never see. I mean, no one, (laughs) (laughs) never never say never. I I was even watching the hundred minutes of uh, bloopers from a earlier show. I have to say, I have to give Ben credit for that. Absolutely. Because he was like, I'm going to edit a movie length version of the bloopers. And I was like, Go for it. I mean, <laughs> I know I'll want to watch it, right. but I can't imagine. And people love it, and they actually prefer it sometimes over watching the whole series. I'm like, it's. I mean, I love to see it because so much of the time when you improvise on some like on screen for things, like it just goes away and you don't remember right. what you said. But there's so much funny stuff in there. I I really think people should watch. If you're going to watch oh, something great. with the earliest show, watch the bloopers. <laughs> <It's funny laughs> also, and this one, uh, I think it's the first time we've ever seen bloopers outtakes from Zach's stuff for Between Two Ferns, yeah. which is kind of like jarring at first to see it over the credits because I feel like they've done such a good job of kind of like keeping within that reality, but yeah. it's kind of like a, a reward to the audience or something. It really like, I don't know, it was very satisfying to yeah. watch that. I think Scott wanted it, They first of all, they weren't sure if there was going to be more after this, so they, they wanted to feel like they could put out something that kind of puts a nice like button on it, like, yeah. oh, this is how fun it is. <laughs> and I think then it is like a gift to the audience, because so often people can think that the celebrities might actually be offended, or like, right. wow, that one was really... And the lines are really edgy and like yeah. can be kind of like biting stuff, but like they're all having fun and everyone right. can veto anything they don't want in the movie. It so. never ceases to amaze me. I'm sure you have this experience, like stuff that I put up that's like clearly scripted or clearly an improvised sketch that people literally comment on as if people. It's are, real. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I get it for like characters on TV shows sure. that I've done where they're like, you're so mean to Pete. And I'm like, this is fake. Uh, I'm wearing an astronaut costume. Yeah. It's like- <laughs> None of this is real. Yeah. <laughs> um, so in this one, so is there is there a broad outline of the character? Like, what are you given for your character? Yeah, it was really just like a couple lines of explanation about who she is, like that she just like wants to support Zach, yeah. cares about him, you know, a very organized person. But so much of it we found by improvising. So that was cool because I was able to bring my own humor to it. And yeah. yeah. So who keeps you inside the lines? Like, cause like it sounds like Scott's willing to go off the rails too. So who at yes. the end of the day, like on that day when you're like endlessly improvising at a bakery says like, wait, have we lost the plot? Are we even like, <laughs> I think it's like a mixed bag. I know definitely like the DP and like, uh, you know, eighties and stuff would be like, we have to make time. And so let's move <laughs> along. But Scott also was really helpful in keeping my character on a certain track because it, with Zach like and the way his character is, it's so easy to want to just like be mean to him because yeah. it's really fun. Yeah. Like to tell him like, you're an idiot. Like that's a blast. But I, so I, I did that a handful of times and then we're like, okay, Carol would never call him that. She right. is only supportive of Zach. So, uh, yeah, we had to pull it back. Do you ever talk to Zach about like, I, part of me wonders, and I've talked to him a bunch over the years, but not specifically about between two ferns, like whether this is like his own reaction to his old talk show on VH1. Oh yeah. I don't know. I don't really know about that. You should watch the old episodes. Yeah. Fascinating to watch, like, I feel like maybe I've seen they're, they're around. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And they're great. Yeah. Um, but like, I love that he's just, he's just so anti the artifice of this silly yes. industry of like the red carpet, stupid he shit. He hates it all. Yeah. It's just yeah. all like, 
but his way of doing it is to kind of call it out, which I love. Like, yeah. I love watching him with like the Entertainment Tonight reporter. Yeah. And, like, they don't know what to do with him. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think it's cool. It's like such an interesting thing to watch somebody like that where like everyone likes him. I think that's also why he can get away with so many things yes. like that. It's like we've already established that you're cool. People like you. And now you can tell everyone to like fuck off or whatever you want to say like I mean he wouldn't say that probably but um yeah I was like right behind him on the red carpet at the premiere and I was like catching things that he's saying in there but the thing is like it doesn't always work for everyone like I I had a moment where I was making a joke to one of the people like I was like I want to have more fun with this because it's not fun to just say the exact same thing every time but this guy asked me like what's something about Zach that we don't know and I was like he's narcoleptic and the guy was like really concerned and then I was like I'm kidding like he's a really nice guy I don't know whatever like who cares (laughs) have you ever been asked a horribly inappropriate question at a junket by a horrible reporter by a clueless person yeah I did there was one that always stood out to me because it was my first show my first like series that I was on was Are You There Chelsea a Mm -hmm. Chelsea Handler sitcom that was on NBC for one season and that was my first job so like I was I got, I got, I was so lucky to like get a series regular job on a pilot that got picked up. Like it was like amazing. I had never been on a TV show. So like, that was very cool. But we had to go to TCAs. Um, and that's like where they like ask you questions about the show before it comes out and whatever. And somebody asked me like, cause I had, we had shot the pilot and then we had like a break and then we reshot a lot of it and whatever there were. And I learned a lot. Like I didn't, like I had never seen myself on screen and this person asked me, why were your eyes so big in the pilot, but not in the second episode? And then I was like, I like, first of all, rude. (laughs) Second of all, I guess I learned what, how I was going from stage acting to screen acting. So it was like a big adjustment for me as an actor in terms of how big my performance has to be. But it's also multi-camera, like it is big, like whatever. But I was so offended, but I, I didn't know how to react because I had never really been in one of those things before. But I think I was like, I, yeah, I don't really, I don't know. That's a, I, I tried to get better at this. Like, yeah, what do you want? I'll do better, man. Yeah. Kansas City TV critic. No, it was like people like, that's just a mean question for no reason. <laughs> people are not great are all the time. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay. So were you allowed near, because of the nature of your character, you're not probably not necessarily on set for a lot of like the quote unquote celebrity interviews. Yeah, we like, we got to be there while they were doing that. So yeah, because like they they would happen in the middle of the day. So usually there there was like this. We could either have a break and go hang out, but I'd rather hang out there and watch you know someone yeah. get interviewed for forty five minutes, and it was really fun to watch. I mean, which was the most exciting to watch, just as a, a fan of whether it's like um, Keanu Reeves. or Keanu Reeves of, was really cool to watch because he's just so like he's such an enigma that like to be in the same room is really interesting, but it was also like one of the stranger interviews because he's, he was just like, you know, very deadpan. And, um, I, who was really in trouble? I, Oh, Adam Scott is really fun. He's just really great. Uh, and Tiffany Haddish, I always love her and she's so funny and willing to talk about anything. Yeah. She was telling us like insane. I don't even know if they were on camera or not, but she was telling us some crazy stories about when she was living in her car and, how you hook up with people while you're doing that. So (laughs) it's really funny. (laughs) She's great. Is there, do you like, can you improvise with anybody, like any good improviser? Like, are there kinds of improvisers that aren't your speed? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, no, I don't think so. I think I can do it with anyone. That's kind of what I like to challenge myself with is to feel like it doesn't matter what's going to happen and that it'll be fine. Right. Um, I think like doing my podcast with special guest Lauren Lapkus helped me so much with that because 
the premise of this show is that the guest is the host and they determine what the whole show is going to be and what my character will be. And so I don't have any information going in. Yeah. And sometimes it's somebody who doesn't even do improv where like they'll be on some like press tour and they're assigned to my show. There was someone recently and I said it at the, I did an intro where I explained that because I felt like it was worth noting that this woman had no idea what the show was. She thought I was just going to interview her. Uh-huh. And then I was like, we're going to do improv for one hour. Do you have an idea? You're like, like, they, <laughs> I knew she was prepared. Like she was given all the information. Yeah. Someone didn't pass along to right. her, but I was like, that's my nightmare is like, okay, great. Now I have to do it with you. And you might even want to do this. And I don't want to do it with you. If you don't want to do this, <laughs> I would rather have on my friend who nobody's ever heard of sure. and just do it for fun. Like, but yeah. Um, so how, how did that it, it actually go? It ended up go? going well. I mean, she's a comedian, so it was like it ended up going f- fine, but it was one of those feelings of like, oh, no, she doesn't even want to. Yeah. Possibly she's in her nightmare. So right. like, I don't know her, so I can't tell you, but like, I'm panicking and just going like, oh shit, now I have to like do this hour long thing that like we could, I could just say we could just abandon it, but like we're here and There's you're down. Yeah, 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 let's just do it. But um, I, had the, I had the reverse again, uh, kind of experience where, so I do like scripted sketches and usually, you know, sometimes the quote unquote celebrity talent is given the script. They're always given the scripts, but sometimes as you know, like they yeah. don't actually see them or vet them or anything. Yeah. My nightmare scenario happened many years ago where of all people, Gary Oldman walks into a room and he has not been given the script. And literally there's a set with like a pinata oh and my like this God. crazy shit up there. And he literally is just like. What, what, what are we doing? Yeah, yeah, and, <laughs> and I, I think it to... happened to people with ferns in the when they were shooting the series oh, that there I'm were sure. a handful of people who didn't know what it was. Yeah, in and that case, we abandoned it after five minutes. He gave it a go, and then I was like, "Mr. Let's Oldman, just... I love you. I'm not going to make you do this." <laughs> Good for you. Yeah, I made her do it. So <laughs> You're a tougher person I'm like, than I well, am. hey, I have an hour to fill. So, <laughs> <laughs> so what is the the do you, are you also like writing and self-generating material or are you like, what's the, what's the, the plan, the five-year plan? Is there one? Yeah, or? I would love to have my own show. I think that's like my dream, but I, yeah, I recently made a short film and that was really fulfilling to yeah. be able to be like, Oh, I can like make this thing and just cast funny people that I know and yeah. have, you know, I know people who have cameras and can put all this shit together. Right. So it was a blast. I mean, I think I was almost mad at myself for waiting so long to do my own thing. And I so I want to do a lot more stuff like that. What does like the, dream or like a show look like format wise i mean it could go either way like i i have gone down the path of like creating sketch shows i'm like i'm still interested in that and also a sitcom would be really fun something just like you know some single cam cool sitcom would be great i love it yeah but i mean it could go either way i i love doing characters and if i could blend those two that would be really interesting but so as i know you had uh do you still do the 90s podcast yeah we just wrapped it up just a couple weeks ago yeah but um so every 90s show has been rebooted by now is there anything left from the 90s to regurgitate i don't even know if there is because it feels like every day there's a reboot of something And I just heard somebody say they should reboot Fleabag or something. I was like, it literally just (laughs) happened. And it's original. Let's not do that. It's like amazing when there's like an original show that everyone loves. Like, let's just let that be its own thing. Um, Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I even thought about like a reboot of big, but I'm like, I don't want to ruin a classic. Like, right. the, and that's what everyone freaks out about on Twitter. Like the second they announce a reboot of something, everyone's like, the original, like they're talking about princess bride right, yes. being rebooted. And everyone's like the original. And it's, it's like, I definitely hear both sides of that. I'm like, yeah, it sucks. When, Cause like, it's very hard to do better than a great film right. that exists, but also don't watch the new one and just watch yeah. the old one. Like who cares? Like, I'm kind of of that mind. Yeah. Like, I, it doesn't tarnish the original for me yeah. at all. Like 
no, the argument is just like spend a little more time and try and come up with something original. But yeah. like it's your your shitty remake's not gonna make me love Princess Bride. Right, less. right. And I mean some of the remakes are good. I can't think of uh something right a now one off right the now. top of my head. <laughs> Like a single, like, like just one. But hold on, hold on. I'm sure if I really racked my brain, I could come up with something that I really loved, but maybe not. I don't know. But no, but yeah, I mean, that's the thing. It's like, I also look at them and go, well, wait, if everyone's doing reboots, let me just reboot something. I'm like, I could do that and make it funny and like have something interesting. So I don't want to like rule out reboots as a thing people are doing because it works sometimes. And kids like them, like they don't know the old one. Like there's a whole generation that has, they don't want to watch a dusty old movie. Small wonder. I know. I was thinking that actually. It's almost like you read my mind. That was really? yeah, and I didn't say it. I, <laughs> Are you kidding me? I really loved Small Wonder oh, as a kid. Wonder. It's creepy now, though. A little it bit. is creepy, and I was Small Wonder for Halloween like 15 years ago. Um, <laughs> That's kind of creepy too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> an adult woman being a little child it robot. A great, it was a great costume. I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> a great theme song. Yeah, it is. It's a great theme song. But She's a, a small, small wonder. wonder. That's awesome. <laughs> uh, yeah, shiny and bright and soft curls she's a small wonder a child unlike other girls she's a miracle she'll en- entice you that sounds and wrong. something every sight yes yeah, um amazing she'll make your heart feel light i mean does that make you want to look up yeah small you gotta look it up but the thing is if i feel like we're in this weird i, I feel like we're at a time right now where it could actually work because that format has been like where there's like a character that is a robot or like Alf or something like they were talking about doing Alf a second ago. Yeah. I don't know what happened know there, yeah, yeah. but you know, we'll see. I would, I would be on it. <laughs> you you want to be Alf? I don't want to be him. Okay. I would like to have my face shown. <laughs> <laughs> no, your face on an alien, oh, furry yes. alien body. Yes, yeah, that's what you mean. Then of course. Yeah. <laughs> It's great. Her eyes are a little big, though, in season one. Maybe if they just shrunk them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If they could CGI that, then I'd never have to deal with that question again. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I think we're at a time where we could be willing to go, like, really weird with it again. Like, have, like, those that one character that's, like... There was that show... Um, oh, God, what was it called? It was a... And I... Oh, I, happily ever after something. It was like a guy unhappily ever after. He it was a guy who would go in his basement and talk to a bunny. And it was like the guy from Entourage who played E. I can't think of his name. Oh yeah, uh, um, yeah I got you. Was and then um, that hot chick. Okay, so I'm like really not remembering everyone's <laughs> name, but <laughs> it was. Nikki Cox, that's who it was. Okay, and so yep. it was a sitcom where this guy was like this depressed dad, and then he would go down to his basement and like bitchily talk to his like bunny, who was like the figment of his imagination. Right. He was like a puppet played by Bobcat Goldthwaite. Oh, Very and he, and weird. Bobcat was like married to Nikki, I feel like at the time. Yeah, oh, there was oh, that. Yeah. I forgot that yeah. that happened in life. That's so interesting. Yeah. That's a whole nother yeah. 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 Wow, that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> but like, we might be ready for a show like that again where it's like some weird character I'm that's in. fake. Let's yeah. do it. Mash, yeah. mash it all up. Yeah. Um, wow, a lot to look forward to. Yeah. We did it. We did uh, it. <laughs> uh, congratulations on Between Two Ferns. Thank you. The movie. You can watch it on your Netflix Magic Box yeah. TV, otherwise known as a TV, I guess. Yeah, or your phone or computer. Yeah. Oh, you can do that too. Yeah. Yeah, I good. think kids watch it on their phone. I, 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 I don't have a know. children's audience. <laughs> this is only, only for mature audiences. Well, only. tell your kids, people. <laughs> <laughs> Spread the good word. Um, it's great to meet you and catch up. Yeah. As I said, I'm a fan, and I'm still a fan after this conversation. Thank you. I didn't ruin your image of me. That's not great. At all, not at all. <laughs> only enhanced. Uh, good, to, good to have you on. Thanks. And so ends another edition of Happy, Sad, Confused. 
Remember to review, rate and subscribe to this show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm a big podcast person. I'm Daisy Ridley and I definitely wasn't pressured to do this by Josh. Ha <laughs> ha